Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Tim McMaster here, along with our MLB.com Yankees reporter, Brian Hoke. Brian, the Yankees' red-hot streak comes to an end here, Sunday with a loss to the Rays and then a loss to the Dodgers at home on Monday night. But before that, seven in a row, and that gets them right into the thick of things as far as this wild-card race goes, something that I don't think anybody could have predicted about a month ago. They still are just two games back of the wild card, which is pretty remarkable and a pretty cool series going on with the Dodgers visiting Yankee Stadium. Um, First of all, let's just think big picture here. Does this team, when you go in that clubhouse, is there a realization of how unlikely this whole scenario is that they're only two games out of the wild card? I think that they knew they were going to have to go on some kind of run like that where they were going to win seven in a row or something like that just to get back into it. this is what they had to dig out of after they started the year 9-17. and 17. And obviously this is a much different team than the, the guys that they had in that room in April. So uh, they, they've been kind of playing as though there's nothing to lose. You know, Mark Teixeira recently said that. They've, they've kind of adopted that mindset where a lot of people wrote off their season in, in late July when they traded away the, uh, the big names. And uh, they, they really are going into this as though, hey, if they can shock the world and, and make the playoffs and – and really extend their season, then that's all a bonus at this point. So I, I think that they're playing loose. Um, I, I think that you knew this winning streak wasn't going to run forever. They weren't going to run the table and win their last 20 or so. But uh, if they can play above 500 ball the rest of the way, I, I think you're looking at a team that realistically could be competing here and then thinking about keeping their calendars open for October 4th. Earlier in the season, we saw the, the Giants come back to New York and play at Yankee Stadium, and, and there was a ton of orange and black in the crowd at Yankee Stadium. Now the Dodgers come back. There was a lot of blue in the ballpark last night. You can just see that these teams that long, long ago called New York home either make the trip from California to get to see their team play at Yankee Stadium, or you also get to see a good amount of people that still live in the area around New York City that still root for these teams or root for the team that their dad rooted for when he was little. It's just a neat experience, and Giants was cool enough, but it was earlier in the season. Now you have two teams in the middle of a pennant race. What was the atmosphere like on Monday night at the stadium? Yeah, it was cool to see. Uh, There was obviously a lot of Dodger blue. Uh, There was a big flag that got unfurled down by the left field foul pole every time the Dodgers scored a run, and 
Uh, they travel well, and you know, I think that for the Yankees, it's kind of a taste of their own medicine. Uh, the Yankees travel exceptionally well. I, I know that whenever the Yankees go out to the West Coast, say Seattle or Anaheim or wherever it be, uh, there's always a large Yankee fan contingent. Well, you're you're playing a major market, and there's kind of a novelty to it. And as you mentioned, the Giants, uh, the Dodgers, they don't come to Yankee Stadium very often. Obviously, they they go across town to City Field, and I think they're well represented there too. But uh, there's something special about seeing those teams come in as a visitor at Yankee Stadium. So I think that if if I was a Dodger fan, and it's a great excuse to come to New York City and, and fly across the country. Uh, it's a perfect time of year to, to be in New York. Uh, the weather's nice. Uh, why not? Why not make that trip? And they've got a good team, too. So uh, I can definitely understand why they traveled well. And it'll be interesting to see how many show up for games two and three of the series. I would, I would expect that uh, it'll be about the same turnout. One thing that would have made this even more special, I think, is if Vin Scully had made the trip. Uh, obviously, a guy that started his career, still amazing to say it, but calling Brooklyn Dodger games, starting uh, out there before they moved to Los Angeles. He went with the team way back when. Um, would have been cool to have Vin back in New York to to kind of do this series. Obviously, he's at the point in, in his career and his life that he wasn't ready to make that trip across the country, but... Uh, it's his last year, obviously, with the Dodgers. Has there been talk about that around the stadium of kind of, oh, it, it could have been even more special with Vin here? Well, I think everybody recognizes what Vin Scully means to not just the Dodgers but baseball. And uh, don't forget, he not only started his career at Ebbets Field, but uh, he went to Fordham University right there in the Bronx. So uh, there, there's a rich tradition, and it begins with Vin Scully. And I know that Michael Kay, the voice of the Yankees, uh, on TV, he really respects Vin Scully. He had a chance to sit down with him when the Yankees went to Dodger Stadium a few years ago. Um, just, I think that if you're in this field, in this profession, in any way, covering baseball, whether it be uh, print reporter, uh, television voice, or, or even you know writing for the internet like me, uh, I, I think you you look up to and you respect Vin Scully. Uh, he is a master. He is the best and. Uh, now the game's going to miss him for sure, but I think that whenever you get that opportunity to tune into a Dodger game and, and Vin's on the broadcast, you, you definitely leave the channel right there. And uh, it doesn't matter the score. It doesn't matter the team's playing. Uh, when, when Vin Scully's on the microphone, you want to hear that that game. D.D. Gregorius got the game off, got the night off on, on Monday night. Just to rest up, three for 34, Brian, in September. Obviously, he's had a tremendous season for this Yankees team, has kind of really inserted himself there as the shortstop for this team. Uh, is it just a matter of this guy just needs a break? He's played a ton of games this season. Yeah, he has, and uh, I think it's more that he's had a run of bad luck here of late. Um, he's gotten beat up in, in late August and uh, early September at, yeah, you know, I was talking to Didi at his locker last night, and uh, the one that really has bothered him the most is if you go back to a September 8 game against the Rays, there's a, a pickoff throw where Alex Cobb throws to first base, and Didi dry, uh, dives back into the bag, and the ball just clips him right in the right ribcage. And, uh, you know, you, you kind of expect that. You have time to react, I guess, when you're a hitter. Uh, not that it would make it feel any better, but at least you know it's coming. Uh, you don't expect to be drilled with a 90-mile-an-hour fastball when uh, you're diving back into first base. So that that has really bothered him, uh, the ribcage oblique area. And he, that that has probably affected his swing a little bit. That's probably why you're looking at the three for 34. He says he doesn't want to use it as, as an excuse, but you have to think that's affecting him. There were a couple hit-by-pitches in the series against the Orioles, one at home, one on the road. Uh, that, that was in the wrist area. So 
you're looking at a guy who needs some ice. Uh, he needs some time off here. And, and Joe Girardi wasn't sure if he was going to even have him for a second straight day uh, today. We'll, we'll see when the lineup comes out. But uh, Didi said if his name's in the lineup, he'll be ready to play. He said on a scale of 1 to 10, he's probably a, a 5 or a 6 as far as pain goes. He's been managing it. But uh, that, that's got to be a concern when you hear your starting shortstop say he's trying to grind through and he's at a 5 or a 6. Uh, that's significant, I think. I think that everybody's got aches and pains at this point in the schedule, but uh, that's a little more than I think you want to push at this point. Gary Sanchez used up his rookie eligibility with his first at-bat on Monday night. He went over the limit, so he won't be a rookie when he comes back in 2017. There's no standout candidate as far as rookie of the year in the American League, right now at least. There's been guys along the way that have kind of stepped up and, and faded Nobody like Corey Seager, who's playing at Yankee Stadium this week for the Dodgers, who's just kind of the clear-cut guy to win the award. And because of that, it seems like Gary Sanchez may be getting more attention despite the small sample size. Maybe he's going to get more votes than we would have initially thought a guy that came up when he came up could get. Yeah, for sure. I think that uh, you know it's going to happen pretty soon here where the voters start filling out their ballots. And, and you get three spots there to, to think about. And Maybe you don't put Sanchez number one. Maybe you just say, look, he's only been up since the beginning of August. It, it, other guys have been there. You mentioned Fulmer. There's, there's guys like uh, Tyler Naquin with Cleveland, Nomar Mazzara with Texas, and they're, they're going to get consideration too. Uh, but I think that uh, you're, you're really looking at a guy who might get some second and third place votes and maybe even a couple first place. Uh, you know, uh, if he can have the next kind of few weeks that he did in the beginning, might be looking at a guy who's finishing the year hitting around 350 with 20 home runs. I, I think that, uh, if he gets to that point, uh, yeah, it, it's pretty realistic that you can think about it. Um, it it's crazy to say, but it has happened before. Uh, there was a year where Willie McCovey came up, and he only got about the same number of games played. He, he, I believe he was under 60 games played with the Giants, and he wound up winning NL Rookie of the Year. And I know it's a vastly different time. We've got advanced metrics and all that now, but uh, I think if you look back, McCovey had a convincing case, and, and Sanchez could too. I, if you're a believer in Fangraph's war, and I was looking at this last night, he's been worth 2.5 wins above replacement, according to Fangraph's, going into last night's game, Sanchez has. Fulmer's only been at 2.6, so and then... So he's the highest of any non-pitcher in the American League. So I think that, yeah, he deserves to be in the discussion. He has he's done so much with the bat. His defense has been above average. Uh, his throwing, he made an error against the Dodgers, but uh, by and large, the throwing has been very impressive. Gary Finch has been very impressive. And I think that uh, when we're talking about Rookie of the Year, believe it or not, yeah, this guy who's only been in the Major Leagues for seven or eight weeks, uh, he's going to be in the conversation for sure. I'm not sure if he's going to win it, but uh, he, he deserves to be in that conversation. He has earned it. This has been MLB.com Extras, our Yankees edition. For Brian Hoke, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next week. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, 
or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.